in God's Word. And you are directed by God's Word. This word delight means to take great pleasure in. It's the idea of a, of a consuming passion that controls your life. And let me tell you, everyone here delights in something. Some people delight in food. I, I delight in food. Man, we went to one of my favorite barbecue joints just this last Friday. We took my mom and dad out to eat, and we went to Oklahoma Joe's. Got a slab of ribs, the Z-Man, and we delighted in barbecue. It was awesome. It was great. And so you get the idea immediately. Now, what this means to delight in. Some people delight in their jobs. Some people delight in a hobby. Many people delight in the making of money and the things that money can buy. Some people even delight in evil pleasures, wrong desires, sensual pleasures, you name it. Mark this down though, your delight determines your direction. Why? Because what you delight in, you will be directed by. So let me ask you, what do you delight in? What gets your motor running? What gets you excited in the morning? What keeps you awake at night? Because your answers to those questions says a lot about who you are at this moment in life and where you are going in life. And a righteous person here takes pleasure in knowing God and His Word. It has captured the affection of his or her heart. Notice the phrase, and in his law he meditates day and night. Now that word meditate is the idea of digesting something thoroughly, and in this case it's God's word. It means to think it over. It means to chew over on a truth by considering a verse or a passage in God's word. In other words, God's word has captured the attention of your mind and your heart. You meditate on it. God told Joshua, as he was getting ready to enter the promised land, and Joshua 1.8 basically said the same thing to him. After Moses, the great leader of the children of Israel, had died, Joshua comes on the scene. Listen to what God tells him in Joshua 1.8. He says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. In other words, live by God's word, and you will be blessed. When shall we meditate? When does this take place? Well, twice we are told day and night, which all that means is all the time. In other words, any time is a good time to meditate on God's Word. There is no wrong time to meditate on God's Word. And the whole purpose of meditating on God's Word is so that we live by God's Word. Instead of our lives being directed by the ways of the wicked, our lives are now directed by the ways of God's Word as He reveals it to us, as it's outlined to us. And of course, Chris has already gone over a tool for you this summer in, to meditate on God's Word, to delight in it, and to allow your life to be directed by it. I encourage you to pick up the tool, the reading guide, the, the plan that's there in the back of the auditorium. So let's stop here for a minute. Let's pull all this together, what we've learned so far. There are two ways of living. There's the way of the wicked, and there's the way of the righteous. And both ways have results. So what's the result of living the way of the righteous? We'll look at verse 3, and notice what God says will be the result of this life of blessedness. He says, He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season. 
whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. So this blessedness results in a living a life that is satisfying, that's fulfilled, that's joyful. And first of all, we see that you will be marked by stability. That's the idea when it says he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Now the image of a tree that's planted by the rivers of water is, is a mighty tree with large branches, deep roots that go far down into the soil. A tree's root system is what gives it stability against the changing forces of nature, especially when the storms come. Now, I don't know about those of you out here this morning, but I want to be marked by stability in my life. I want to be marked by stability in my relationship with God, in my ministry here to you all. I want to be marked by stability in my marriage as a husband. I want to be marked by stability with my boys as their dad. I'm sure some of you, if not all of you, want to be marked by stability. We, the world is clamoring and seeking and pursuing this kind of life, stability in life, especially in a world in which we live in today, which is so chaotic and so unstable and uncertain. And yet part of the blessing is we will be marked by stability even in a life of instability surrounding us. What a blessing that is. But this is only possible when your roots grow deep in the soil of God's word. Second, you will be marked by vitality. Verse 3 says, He shall be like a tree that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither. Now please understand that this type of fruit takes time. It takes patience. It doesn't happen overnight. This isn't some oak tree that produces leaves and then they just kind of wither and fall off each season. This phrase here, it pictures a leafy tree that's like an evergreen because its leaves are in season all year round. People like this are constantly refreshed by God's Word. They're renewed by God's Word. They're marked by durability no matter what they're facing in life. They're like the Energizer Bunny except they're charged by God's Spirit and God's Word. And then three, you will be marked by prosperity. So first of all, this blessedness results by being marked by stability, being marked by vitality, and now prosperity. But does God really mean this? Because I know there's at least one person out there thinking, prosperity, does God really mean he'll prosper me? Yes. But this is not a blank check to be filled in as we want. Don't jump to the conclusion that prosperity here refers only to financial success or, or material possessions, though God often prospers us in this way too, does he not? Absolutely, God prospers his children financially with those kind of blessings, materially with those kind of possessions. They are part of God's blessings on our life, but not all the time. The righteous prosper in the sense that no matter what happens to them, they find strength for the day and hope in the midst of the hardest difficulty. So prosperity, listen to me, it doesn't mean that there is never adversity. So don't equate prosperity, no adversity in my life. God often 
ordains adversity in the lives of His children as mirrors of reproof for us, even instruments of growth for us as His children. In fact, sometimes God has to bring us adversity before He can bring us prosperity. The main thing is we must judge prosperity not so much by physical health and wealth, but primarily by spiritual growth in living for God, living according to His ways instead of living for ourselves. So, so far what we have seen is that the way of the righteous leads to a life of blessedness that is marked by stability, vitality, and prosperity because it's a life that delights and meditates and is directed by God's Word. So what about the way of the wicked? Where does it lead? Well, the way of the wicked is the fast track to a life of emptiness. Psalm 1 is contrasting here two different ways of living. And with one blunt statement, the psalmist declares that the wicked are not like the righteous in verse 4. Look what it says. The ungodly, some of your versions may say the wicked, are not so. You can't be more clear than that. Now, the ungodly or the wicked is a key word in the psalms. In fact, not just this psalm, but throughout all the psalms. It occurs four times right here in this first psalm, this word wicked or ungodly. But we probably ought to stop and ask a question as to who these people are. Who exactly are the ungodly? Who are the wicked? that the psalmist is referring to here, because in our culture, here's the deal. Most people think they are good. Most people think they only the really, 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 really bad people in this world are wicked. You know, the people we read about on the Internet, people we watch on the news, people that shoot kids in schools, people that are rapists, people that are child molesters. They are the wicked. I'm not. And that's our thought process when we come to this chapter here. And we see this contrast of the righteous versus the wicked. But in the Psalms here, please understand, that term, the wicked or the ungodly, is the primary word that's used to describe a group of people, which you may fall into, who reject God and reject His Word. Included in this word is the idea of Restless activity. It refers to a restless condition of the soul, a restless condition of the heart, which runs from one thing in this world to another thing in this world, running to that thing in this thing, that person, that person, this job, that job, that house, that material thing, that car, you name it, to that fix, to that addiction, to this, to that. Why? All in order to find a life of fulfillment, satisfaction, really a life of blessedness. But in the end, they don't find it. This is what people want, and yet they come up empty when they follow the fast track of the wicked. Listen to how Isaiah 57, 20 through 21 describes this group of people, the wicked. It says, but the wicked are like the tossing sea which cannot rest. Boy, just, just hang on to that thought. In our world today, people, you know, they want peace and rest so much. 
We, are, we live such busy lives, and what do we think? Oh, I, I just want to rest. But this way of life, there is no rest. There is no rest for the soul. There is no peace for the soul. But the wicked are like the tossing sea which cannot rest, whose waves cast up mire and mud. There is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. So here in Psalm 1, what we learn is that the wicked are marked by two characteristics which are vastly different from that of the righteous. The emptiness of the wicked. Look at it with me here in your notes. Coming up on the screen. The wicked are marked, first of all, by worthlessness in this life. Verse 4 says the wicked are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Now, chaff, that's not a word we use a lot, but we're all familiar with the idea of chaff. Chaff is the husk of the hole that covers a seed or a nut, and it's usually separated in threshing. And unlike the actual seed or the nut, the chaff has no body. It, 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 it's, all, it's, like, it's the thin layer that covers a peanut. All right, If you ever eat peanuts, you know what I'm talking about. It has no body or substance. It's, it's just blown about by the wind. And in other words, the chaff is useless. It's worthless. It's very unstable as it's blown about in the world or by the wind. Now, when I go to a baseball game, whether to watch my boys play or, or last week we went to the Royals game and, and I took my own bag of peanuts to the Royals game. How many do the same? All right, yeah, I mean, you guys are awesome. They will let you bring that in, by the way. You can bring your own bag of peanuts in. In fact, we brought hot dogs, popcorn. My wife had a huge bag. You thought we were going on vacation coming into the Royals game. We brought it all. You just can't bring drinks. Can't bring uh, containers of water or liquid or whatever. And so I love to eat peanuts watching the Royals game or even Jack's game. And, and one reason why is because when you eat peanuts at the Royals game, you, 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 un, you know, put them in your mouth, break them, eat the peanut. What do you do? With, you're left with the shell in your hand, right? What do you do? Exactly. That's the beautiful thing about the Royals game. You just toss it right there in front of you. And, we, you know, there's just a whole pile of shells in front of us. And my boys and I, man, we're just, of course, pretty soon your, your feet are moving, you know, you know, Royals hit a home run. Well, maybe not, but they got to first. And so you're standing and, and cheering, and, and all of a sudden you look down, and what were, used to be those shells are just kind of pulverized in the smithereens. And you just kick them out of the way. They're annoying. Why? Because they're insignificant. They're worthless. They're useless. And the psalmist here is saying that the wicked, their life, their way of living is just like that. Now, some of you, you know what it's like to live this way. Because life without God what the psalmist is telling us is useless, worthless, and empty. You've seen, some of you, how fleeting the pleasures of this world can be. You've seen how empty life can be without God. You've seen the things that you thought would bring you fulfillment in life just kind of blow away. And you thought to yourself, man, there has to be more to life than this, what I am experiencing now. And the good news is, there is more to life than the life of emptiness. And that's a life in Jesus Christ, as we're getting ready to see. You see, Psalm 1 is warning us that if we reject Christ in this lifetime, then number two, second of all, the wicked will be marked by hopelessness in the next life. Look what it says in verse 5. 
Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. Folks, listen to me. Listen to me. A day is coming. A day is coming when unbelievers will face God at the judgment. But they will not be able to stand its test. Which means they won't have a leg to stand on when they're facing God at the judgment. Their case won't hold up in God's court. And as a result, the psalmist now tells us they will not be allowed into the congregation of the righteous in heaven. In other words, the wicked are not only marked by worthlessness in this life, but they will be marked by hopelessness in the next life. That is, they will be without hope in the next life. Why? Because they did not put their hope in Jesus Christ in this life. Please know, please know that only those who have been made righteous through faith in Jesus Christ can stand before a holy God and enter the congregation of the righteous in heaven. Jesus is our only hope now, today, and forever for eternity. And so this first psalm, it lays out before us here two ways to live. There is either the way of the righteous or there's the way of the wicked. And so where then do these two ways lead? Clearly, they do not lead to the same outcome or the same destiny. The final destiny of these two ways of living is recorded in a sober summary in verse 6. Look at it with me. It says, For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. We can summarize the final destiny of both ways this way. The way of the wicked ends in eternal death but the way of the righteous ends in eternal life. Here's the sober reality of the wicked. In the end, their way, their way of doing life, their way of living life will perish. All that they have lived for will disappear like the mist in the morning sun, and they themselves will perish. In other words, their way comes to a dead end where they will experience eternal death in a literal place that the Bible calls hell. Listen to what we are reminded in Proverbs 14, 12. It says there is a way. There's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. Destruction. Eternal damnation. And that's exactly what Psalm 1 is telling us about those who follow the way of the wicked. It's a way of life that ends in eternal death. But oh, the good news. The way of the righteous ends in eternal life. The Lord knows the way of the righteous, we're told. He knows the righteous intimately. He knows them personally as His own children. And He will protect the righteous. He will preserve the righteous. He will bring the righteous all the way home to glory as we learned in our series in Romans 8. Why? Because the righteous know the Lord as the way to eternal life. 
who described himself in John chapter 14, verse 6. These are the words of Jesus Christ. Listen to him. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So I ask you to consider again the question that we started with. Which way will you live? Because folks, listen to me. Please listen to me. The way you are living now makes all the difference for eternity. And I hope you see this morning from God's Word that nothing, I mean nothing, is more important than living the way of the righteous rather than living the way of the wicked. And if the way of the righteous, if you're sitting there and if you're thinking, man, that just seems like an impossible way to live, you're right. It is. You are tracking with me if you are thinking that. On our own, we can't live the way of the righteous. The truth is, there's not a single one of us here today who can live the way this psalm calls us to live. I mean, who here has never followed bad advice? Oh, how I wish I could raise my hand on that one. Who here has never followed the way of sinners? Who here has always, always delighted in and meditated on God's Word? There isn't anyone here who can raise their hand to that. Only one person ever has. And His name is Jesus Christ. And that's the good news. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Ultimately, the way of the righteous is only possible in and through Jesus it's only through our faith in the person of Christ and in His righteousness that makes it possible for us to be righteous and to live the way of the righteous. And here's the beautiful thing. Listen to me on this. Jesus is able to take us regardless of your past. It doesn't matter what you've done in the past. It doesn't matter what way you have lived because we all, get this, we all start out on the way of the wicked. We are born living that way. And so it doesn't matter what your past is, how bad things you have done. Jesus is able to take us regardless and forgive us of our sins and cover us with His righteousness so that we can be righteous people before God and experience now a life of blessedness from God. And maybe some of you are here this morning and you're knowing it. You think in your heart and you feel it. Man, I need to make a road change. I need to make a road change now in my life before it's too late. Listen, if you're living a way that is a fast track to a life of emptiness, please know it ultimately ends in eternal death. And the psalmist here is begging us and it's warning us to make a road change. To turn from the way of the wicked. And to turn to the way of Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And the beautiful thing is, when you turn to Christ, please know there is grace and there is mercy and there is forgiveness for you. And God is inviting you to come to Him and join the congregation of the righteous and allow Him to declare you righteous 
through your faith in Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. That's why Jesus came. It's a beautiful thing when we turn from the way of the wicked to the way of Jesus Christ. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed. As we prepare for our response time, all that simply means is our praise team's going to come and they're going to sing a chorus. And this is an opportunity for you to respond to God's word, to respond to God himself, to cry out to Jesus Christ. And if you're here and you're like, man, I know I need to make a road change, then cry out to him. Tell God that. Pray to him right where you're sitting. Express your heart's desire to him. He will hear you. And he will answer your prayers. Confess your sins to him. Repent of them and ask him to forgive you. And tell him, I want to follow the way of Jesus Christ. I, I want eternal life. I want my sins forgiven. He will meet you where you're at. He will meet you right there where you're sitting. Cry out to him now as the praise team sings.